in today's show. We're looking back at Thursday's two games. Yeah, we'll cover some news. We'll look at waiver wire moves as well. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit Fangel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Okay, there are two games on only. We're going to cover those games, so we're going to get to a bit of news as well. Won't be a long show, I hope. It won't be. It won't be a long show. I promise. Warnie. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right. Let's go through some of the updates we have for tomorrow's whopping 13-game slate. In the San Antonio nonsense division, we know that Zach Collins is out. Oh, what a shock. They had three games this week. He's not going to play all of them. So you could use Mamukilishvili, but always remember with tomorrow's games, is the guy that you add off the waiver wire better than the guy that he would replace in your active lineup? Is it enough of a difference to waste that ad versus adding someone for Saturday when you get an upgrade over zero? Whoever you use on Saturday is going to be an upgrade over the zero. Remember that. So, Sandro Mamu? Sandro Mamu? Sandro Mamu really might be useful. But is it enough of an upgrade? I don't know. You can tell me that. An interesting signing. It is worth mentioning because this guy can have an impact. Big Shaq. Haven't done that for a while. Shaq Harrison is signed by Portland. Because we saw last game, Keon Johnson was out with a broken finger. Lillard's done. Simons is done. And then Archie Jackano didn't play. And he mysteriously popped up as doubtful with back soreness. And they signed Skylar Mays and Shaq Harrison to 10-day contracts. And Shaq Harrison, he can get four steals a game with six assists, five rebounds, two threes, 12 points. Easily. Think Chris Dunn. If he plays 25 minutes, he is a 12-team league player. He will be available tomorrow, and they probably won't have Reddish. They won't have Archer Jackano. They might have Watford back, but everyone else is out. Watch Shaq Harrison. There might be, this might be Brandon Williams from last season in Portland. He is a proven, when he gets minutes, fantasy contributor. He's not good enough to demand minutes all the time, but he is a very, very interesting player, and I get to do this. Big Shaq. We heard Rick Carlisle say, yeah, it might be it for Turner and Halliburton. Oh, that's great. Halliburton's ruled out for tomorrow. But Miles Turner's questionable. Now, I don't know why they would do that. I don't know why they would bother to play Miles Turner. They need to lose every game in order to try and leapfrog the magic and get better odds. There's no reason for these guys to play. Um, I really don't think Turner's going to play. Halliburton's out. I think they're done. But the Turner questionable tag is a little curious. Rogier is out in Portland. Haywood is doubtful. But they put Kelly Oubre as questionable. Now they put Oubre as questionable last game too. And Oubre as... And sorry, um, Rogier is doubtful. But Oubre still missed. So I don't think Oubre is going to play. But again, the questionable tags are weird. They're frustrating. So I don't know. 
if he's going to play. What I do know is that Smith is going is questionable. If he plays, we roll him out. Otherwise, it's Maladon. Mahalouk is going to get a minute, uh, minutes, whether it is Ubre or Haywood sitting, and one of those two is definitely out. And then you look to the other one, maybe having an option, say a Bryce McGowan's could step into that role, but Maladon's the other one to watch there. It is a really weird situation. This is also the game that Kai Jones probably doesn't play, and it's Williams and Richards as the centers in Charlotte. Beal is out, Kuzma is out. They haven't told us they're done for the year, but again, it's really surprising if those guys returned. Kawhi is questionable again for Friday. They got a back-to-back Friday, Saturday, and he missed last game for personal reasons. So if he is out, well, you know, you've got Bones, you've got Covington, you've got Batum, you've got Mann, you've got Gordon. But are any of them going to be a worth worthwhile enough upgrade to throw into an active lineup? What you really hope for if you don't have Kawhi is that he sits Saturday. And then you can stream a bunch of those players in on Saturday. But at this point, we don't know that. Julius Randle, we got the news that he has sprained his ankle and he is out for the rest of the regular season with a sprained ankle. Obi Toppin will probably start. At the end of last season, Obi Toppin had big numbers, huge numbers. There were a bunch of guys out at the end of last season, though. It wasn't um, the same situation. They had shut guys down for the season, and we saw Toppin put up some really big numbers. Him and quickly started down the stretch as they benched other players who were starting, like Fournier and some other guys. Um, But we saw last game that they'll have no problem going with RJ Barrett and Josh Hart at power forward and not Toppin. So there's no guarantee that Toppin even plays 30 minutes a night. And again, if you added him, would you even start him Friday? Would you start him Sunday? And if you did, is the upgrade of getting him in there worth doing it? Is it worth adding him? And I would suggest for this week, it probably isn't. Yeah, I would rather add quickly if he was available. Like even Grimes, who probably gets more minutes, but not a guarantee in that either. Is he actually an upgrade on the guys you've got in your on your lineup? So with so many days of the remaining season being high-volume days... It's really about picking and choosing the correct days to add players or to use players versus getting 10% upgrades on your last active roster spot, which is going to be the case on a lot of these days. But Randall's out. You could add Toppin, but again, if you add him and play him zero games the rest of this week, what is the point of it? Without us even knowing if he's going to be a 30-plus minute a night guy or if he's a 22-minute a night starter the way Grimes used to be and they just play small a lot of the time. I think there's a real risk in that. So, again, all stuff that we have to pay attention to. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NCAA tournament is winding down, but it's heating up at the same time, and there's no better place to get in on the action than at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet, and then you can wager on everything from the money line, point spreads, and even which team is going to be cutting down the nets. If we have a look at what games we got on here, not the national championship game. Let's go and have a look at some March Madness games here. Yeah, we can look at Florida at five and a half point underdogs against UConn. UConn is the favorite for the whole tournament. Um, but five and a half, there is a possibility. I guess yeah, they haven't really been troubled by anyone so far, but you get in on that. Well, SDSU are two and a half point favorites against FAU in the other Final Four matchup. So... You can do this. You can look at it on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. The waiver wire. Let's look at some of the most added players. Um, 
number one on this list is the shark, Bruce Brown. Baby shark, Up 25%. It's a great stream for today, and then you can probably drop him. Quentin Grimes is number two, up 16%. This briefcase and this haircut. And there is absolutely no doubting that his recent production has been awesome. And there is no doubting that the absence of Randall opens up potentially more minutes if they go with Hart and Barrett at power forward. But if Toppen slides in and plays all of Randall's minutes, then there is a chance that Grimes has back to that situation of starting and playing 23 minutes a night. Now, someone still has to back up where Toppen was previously playing. So yeah, Grimes can take up those minutes anyway, and yeah, they shuffle things around that way. So I think he's not a bad ad, but the same tenet goes back here. Is the upgrade of Grimes versus your worst player, is that increase worth it when you could add someone on Saturday and replace a zero in your lineup? So I'm not 100% convinced. That's why I do like the addition of Josh Richardson. That was for Thursday, Saturday. Two games. I don't even know what he's done on Thursday's game. And the same with Larry Nance up 12%. But two games on low-volume days is useful. KCP up 10%. That was for today. Grayson Allen. Well, that stunk. The reason to add Allen was hopefully to use Wednesday, Thursday back-to-back. He wasn't particularly good in both games. Up 8%, and he was terrible today. So you can go ahead and move on. Aaron Gordon, shocked that he was available in as many leagues. Now, I didn't think he was necessarily must-roster moving forward. But yeah, obviously, you add him for today. But I didn't think he would have been dropped in that many spots. And then Najee Marshall for the Thursday-Saturday combination as well. Again, not a name you'd normally associate. But it's about, and this people doing this smart, it's about trying to use the schedule to your advantage to get more games in. In terms of the most dropped players, the winner soldier, Max Struess, down 13%. One of the worst back-to-back streams you could ever see. Struess played three minutes last game and then was shocking the game before that after a string of some solid games. You take it, it made sense, it didn't work, you move on. Tari Eason, down 11%. Troubling minutes and troubling production last game. Friday, Sunday games. Yeah, expendability. Julius Randle, down 9%. Let's give him one more double royal for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, he's done. See you later. Dennis Smith down 7%. Mm, we'll see. We'll see whether he plays tomorrow. I get it though. And again, with high volume days, if he does come back and play, does it actually burn you that much if you move on? Probably not. Kelly Olenek down 7%. He's actually upgraded to questionable. Well, he's not upgraded. He's questionable. So I don't know whether this illness that caused him to miss the Spurs game is going to keep him out of other uh, other games. I will see. If he is out, Lucas Sharmanich becomes a very interesting option along with Toscano Anderson and Johnny Jujang for deeper formats. But Olenek down 7%. Vassell down 5%. There's a chance Vassell plays on Friday, but he's questionable. So Keldon Johnson's off the injury report, so he's going to play. Trey Jones is, is going to play as well. I would be pretty shocked if Vassell plays, given he's listed questionable, but we don't know. Dayron Sharp down five. Yeah, people took a little bit too long to drop him. And then Tyus Jones down 4% with the Grizzlies healthy again. You can, yes, go ahead and move on from him. So I don't really disagree with much of that that's going on there. The Smith one will be very, very interesting to monitor, though. The first game of the day was the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. And honestly, like this is a game that there's not a lot to take out of because the Celtics scored 140 and the Bucks scored 99, and I'm not sure it was even that close. It was over immediately. And what the, the thing that happens in this one is that Rob Williams played 19 minutes and Al Horford played 22, and the Celtics are still playing coy about, oh, we'll see how they're feeling. We'll check in tomorrow. Maybe there's a chance they play the back-to-back. I don't think they will, but going so light in this game maybe makes them do it, although that's not always the point of a back-to-back. It's not like, oh, if you play fewer minutes here, then you can bank those minutes into the next day. It's about recovery and prep and all that sort of stuff. And there's still got to be recovery, even if you play only 22 minutes. 
Horford had 14 and 4. Williams had 7 and 7 with 4 blocks, which was great. Great to have him on a two-game day and do that. Again, my doubts are there they play tomorrow. They are also in a situation where tomorrow's game is against Utah, I believe. So I don't think the Jazz are going to be trying particularly hard to win that. So you might see some situations where minutes are lower for Brogdon and for Smart and for White. And I really don't think that Horford and Williams need to play. Tatum had 40 in 31 minutes with eight triples. Brown had 35 and five with three triples. Good numbers for JB. JB, you've done it again. Smart had 10, four and eight. White had eight and five. But again, what are we taking out of this? Sam Hauser played nine minutes. Luke Cornette played nine. Mascala played seven. The whole fourth quarter and some of the third was garbage time. And on the buck side of things, Middleton only played 20 minutes. So you might look at that and shit yourself. He had 13, 5, and 4, but go, why did he play 20 minutes? Well, he copped an elbow from Jalen Brown, cut his lip open, had to go back and get stitches, and it was 40-point margin, so he didn't come back in. So don't worry too much about that. They don't think there's any concern with that. He should play their next game on Sunday. Don't worry too much about that one. Yanni still dropped in 24 and 7 with a steal and a block. Bad percentages, though, which is frustrating. Well, we actually saw the iron shoulder play for Milwaukee, Goran Dragic. 7 minutes, 9 points. Portis double-doubled. Connaughton was out of the rotation, didn't play at all in the first half, and then came in when Middleton got split open, and then there was the blowout. So he ended up with eight points, three assists in 16 minutes, Pat Connaughton. But he honestly was on track for zero minutes. So with a healthy team, and they were a healthy team, with Ingles, Crowder, Allen, Carter, Holiday, Lopez, Middleton, Giannis, Portis, there wasn't room for Connaughton. So in deeper leagues, pay attention. Drew had six points after dropping 51 yesterday, 6-6-4 six, six, on 25%. Lopez had eight and five with not much else. But again, well, I can't, I'm not, the only interesting thing to analyze out of this is, hey, don't panic about Middleton. And Connaughton was out of the rotation until Middleton got his face split open. That's really the only interesting things, I think, that, um, that come out of this game because it was over so early. There's no trends. There's no changes in valuation. The only thing I think is it does keep Boston in contention to catch Milwaukee for the one seed. So they're going to be maybe less interested in resting Tatum and Brown in games that become tight. But I don't imagine their next game against Utah is going to be particularly tight. And they play the Sixers, Raptors, Raptors, Hawks. So you know, if there is a chance to get rests, Friday's probably it. And then they'd want to win out to try and get that one seed. And the other games are all difficult ones. Well, they're ones that you shouldn't be, we shouldn't have an opponent that's laying down, which is, I think, what Utah's going to be, considering, again, Larry Markin and he's ruled out of that game, as well as Sexton and Clarkson. So, yeah, and I didn't even mention that at the start that Markin's out, but Markin is out for that game. All right, let's do the last game of the day, and it's another one that wasn't very good. The Pelicans, 107, the Nuggets, 88. I don't think it's possible, really, that Denver could have shot any worse in this game. They shot. Get ready for it. 40% from the field, 14% from three, and 63% from the line. That's a true shooting of 47%. That is horrific. The Pelicans get it done, though. 107.88. As I said, Ingram, another triple-double, 31, 11, and 10. No other stats, but he was good from the field and the line, while CJ McCollum dropped in 21 points in the second half. 23 points, six triples, um, 53% shooting. We're a little worried about Valanciunas last game. Well, actually, that's not true. Some people were worried about Valanciunas' last game, about the low minutes um, against the Warriors. And while it wasn't back to his 30-minute domination, 15 and 12 in 25 minutes, he did have a little bit of foul trouble here, which may have been an issue, but 15, 12, and 4 with a block is still really good. So back on track, and that meant Larry Nance wasn't as useful. He still played 23 minutes, Nance, but 4 and 4. Um, the reason we have Nance or Marshall or Richardson this week was to get the four quality games in. And while each individual game is not particularly strong, yeah, when you have limited ads for the week, you've got to try and build it up as much as you can.
Richardson had three and three, not very good at all. But again, if you held them, you hold them through to Saturday. Unless you've got just so many ads left and you can switch them for somebody different on Saturday, there's not many options available though. Trey Murphy's great run continues. 15, two and three, three triples and two steals while Herb Jones played 34 and had six and seven. Again, this is not a 12-team league player, Herb Jones, unless it's for the schedule that's giving him the boost. The Nuggets were without Big Chungus, Nikola Jokic. They, Michael Malone said pregame, hey, look, it's sore. There's issues with it. And with seven games to go, we're going to be really cautious. So I don't know that he necessarily plays tomorrow. But he was out here, and they did the thing that I hate. They started Thomas Bryant because, oh, we want to keep the second unit intact. It doesn't work that way, Mick. It doesn't. You played Thomas Bryant 14 minutes. Is that what Jokic normally plays? So your rotations are already screwed up. The pairings and lineups are always already going to be significantly different. Just play the guy that you think is better, which is clearly not Bryant, against the opposing team's better players. It is nonsense, this strategy these coaches have. Anyway, Tom Bryant had four points in 14 minutes. Usually, you get someone starting, you think Tom Bryant can be a good you know, points and rebounds player. He's actually a terrible real-life player, as I'm sure everybody watching this has now realized over the course of this season. But you go and drop him. Even if Jokic is out next game, it doesn't matter. You don't care about this. Four and three for Bryant. Well, Zeke Nagy didn't do much either. Six and, or two and six in 17 minutes. Good game from Bruce Brown. 19-5 and four with two blocks. The reason we had Bruce Brown or KCP was for this game. Five and four for KCP with three steals. Aaron Gordon, who hasn't been great, had 11-6 and four. But now they've got two games left, Friday and Sunday. I don't think you'll start Brown. I don't think you'll start Caldwell Pope. You may not start Aaron Gordon. And if the answer to those questions, do I start this player on Friday, Sunday, is no, then you drop him. To open up, well, you don't have to drop him, but they become droppable to get one of the players that plays on Saturday into your lineup. Stinking game from Maga Porter Jr., 10 and 3. But the guy they lent on more in this game was Jeff Green. He didn't do anything, but he played 30 minutes, 5 and 7. I think your season might be not teetering, but it might be, not a house of cards is the wrong word, but it might not be as strong as a number one seed should be if you have to rely upon Jeff Green when your best player is out. Not that they've obviously been the best team in the West and yeah, they deserve that spot, but that's not great when your coach is leaning on Jeff Green. Um, Jamal Murray, 21, four and seven with four triples, really the only player who was decent. He's the only player on this team that hit a three. He hit four of them, nobody else hit one. Maga Porter Jr., 10 and three on 33% shooting. Just... Another horrible game from every... Look, basically, these two games, sorry to tell you, like you've sat through the show, they were bad. And there's not really anything that we take away from it fantasy-wise. I'm not even going to bother doing a top 10 list because it doesn't tell us anything. We will do lines of the night and then we'll get out of here and we'll get into big stuff that's happening tomorrow. We've already done the preview show for tomorrow, so go check that out. The lines of the night is... The Monstrous does go to Jason Tatum. Um, the waiver, this day, you know, this guy, this day was weird. The waiver wire line of the night was Goran Dragic, who had like nine points in garbage time for his first action for the Bucks. Yeah. Uh, Trey Young was the young gun of the night and the dud of the night was Maga Porter Jr. And that'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. One thing to remember, guys, check your lineups Friday, check on Sunday before you make ads of someone you aren't going to start. Hit on YouTube, hit thumbs up, leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.